Coming up on this week's show, J.P. Barnaby talks to us about coming out of retirement and her new book, Saving Hannah. This is the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for avid readers and passionate fans of gay romance fiction. Each week, we bring you exclusive author interviews, book recommendations, and explore the latest in gay pop culture. Welcome, everyone, to episode 166 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Will from willcanals.com, and with me, as always, is my co-host and husband, Jeff Adams. Hello. This episode of the podcast is brought to you in part by our remarkable group of supporters on Patreon. An extra big special thank you to Poppy and Drew for joining us. We'll have more information on how you can join them in just a few moments. Yes, we certainly will. And thank you so much to the to the influx of Patreon supporters we've had the last couple of weeks. It's it's very awesome to see everyone. And welcome to the folks who are new to the show too. We've had upticks uh, in our in our download numbers in the past couple of weeks as well, so it's it's exciting that more folks are are finding the podcast and joining us, and we hope you enjoy what you hear. Uh, speaking of welcoming folks, this is our second week uh, that we've talked about being on Facebook. As a reminder, every Sunday morning we are live on the Big Gay Fiction Podcast Facebook page. You can watch us record the episodes. Uh, there's a few people right now watching us record 166. And if you want to be one of those people to come by, say hello, maybe ask us a few questions along the way. These usually happen Sunday mornings. We usually get started somewhere between 7.30 and 8 o'clock Pacific time. That would be 10.30 or between 10.30 and 11 East Coast time. So we hope you might join us one Sunday morning on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Big Gay Fiction Podcast if you want to check that out some Sunday. Mm -hmm. So it was a busy week for us this week. Yeah, we had lots of stuff to do. Uh, first and foremost, I went and had a doctor's appointment, and it is now official. I am old and fat. <laughs> now, to be perfectly clear, I knew this before I went to the doctor, but now I had the tests to prove it. Um, so, uh, health and wellness is going to be uh, on... On my mind as I sort of make my New Year's resolutions. I mean, to be, to be perfectly clear, none of my tests said anything bad. Uh, but my numbers weren't super awesome. Uh, and they were edging towards something to be concerned about. So therefore, I am taking a proactive stance. And in the new year, uh, health and wellness will definitely be uh, at the forefront of my mind. Yeah, my, my checkup is uh, week after next. Uh, I will be finding out the same thing. Uh, we actually had our lab test done at the same time, and I've already seen my results to know that I am old and fat. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, 2019 shall be wellness time. Yay! Uh, speaking of 2019, I've actually started some of my 2019 work already. Uh, I have a pretty big project that I am wildly excited about uh, coming up in the new year. And I'm doing, if I was talking about this on Facebook, it'd be known as vague booking, because I'm not going to talk about it too much right now. I will say that there is a myriad of pink and blue post-it notes uh, on my office closet door right now, outlining what's going on. And uh, I will be talking about this uh, fairly early in the new year, because uh, it's going to be a lot of what I'm writing in 2019 and into 2020. So more on that soon. Uh, this past week, we were also uh, back at the Lavender Library. Uh, we we are we are both part of the Queer Sacramento Authors Collective, and each quarter, the collective 
the collective's authors, that's kind of a mouthful, collective's authors, <laughs> uh, come to the Lavender Library, which is the local LGBTQ library, uh, to do some readings for the folks who may show up. And this past Friday was all about the holidays. Can you tell people who showed up to give some reads? Um, yeah, some really great friends and some very talented authors. Authors such as Ellie Franks, Kim Fielding, Pat Henshaw, uh, Scott Coatsworth, uh, Amy Lane, and of course, Jeff. Yes, I read. And also Liz Frame was there actually reading from a work in progress. I've been loving what Liz has been sharing from what's coming up to be some of her very first works. Uh, we actually have uh, in the show notes, we will have links to video from each presentation because they were live streamed. So you can check those out. It was all holiday reads. So it's all very seasonal and exciting. Uh, I read from A Very Winger Christmas, which we talked about last week, is a free Codename Winger short story uh, that I put out that is still available, will be free for all of the holiday season, and you can pick that up in both ebook and I got a dishes and did my own audiobook, which was crazy, but I did it. You can check all that out at CodenameWinger.com to pick that up, along with, of course, the third book in the series that just came out last week. So if you happen to be in the Sacramento area, please stop by and check out the Lavender Library, as well as pick up this very special winger short. Yes, indeed. Uh, Golden Globe nominations came out this past week, and we just wanted to... If you've, if you've listened to the show at all, you know we're not really big on award shows here, but we do like to call out when favorite things of ours and uh, L things with LGBTQ content... Uh, get nominations from these big-time award shows. And guess what we're going to mention for the first time in weeks? Weeks and weeks and weeks. Pose. Yes, folks, Pose. It was exciting to see that Pose got uh, a couple nominations from the, the Golden Globes folks for Best TV Series and a Best Actor nomination for Billy Porter, who was so excellent in that series. Uh, also from FX, The Assassination of Gianni Versace, which was part of the American Crime Story series, got four nominations, including Best Limited Series and an acting nomination for Darren Chris, who played uh, Andrew Kananen in that series. Uh, a movie we didn't see but so badly wanted to called Can You Ever Forgive Me, uh, which starred Melissa McCarthy as somebody who was forging letters from famous people. Uh, she actually portrayed lesbian author Lee Israel, uh, got herself a nomination for that. And also the series that we enjoyed so much from Amazon called A Very English Scandal was nominated for Best Limited Series as well as for actors Hugh Grant and Ben Whishaw. In the hockey player's heart, the feel-good gay romance by Jeff Adams and Will Knauss, hockey star Caleb Carter returns to his hometown to recover from an injury. He never expects to run into his one-time crush at a grade school fundraiser. Seeing Aaron Price hits him hard like being checked into the boards. The attraction is still there, even after all these years, and Caleb decides to make a play for the school teacher. You miss 100% of the shots you never take, right? Aaron has been burned by love before and can't imagine what a celebrity like Caleb could possibly see in a guy like him. Their differences are just too great. But as Aaron spends more time with Caleb, he begins to wonder if he might have what it takes to win the hockey player's heart. Get the Hockey Player's Heart in ebook, paperback, or as an audiobook performed by me, Vince Sterling, wherever you buy books. 
So to kick off the book review section of our show, uh, Jeff is actually going to begin with a cozy mystery. Earlier this year, uh, Dahlia Donovan released um, the Grasmere Cottage trilogy. Uh, and the first book in the series is Dead in the Garden. Yes, I, I picked this up because the cover delighted me so much in the Kindle Cloud. I'm like, let me just read this. And I was so glad that I did. Uh, Dead in the Garden focuses on a longtime couple, Valor and Bishon. Uh, Valor is the son to the Earl, Earl and Countess uh, Scott, um, but he's very estranged from his family because they kind of threw him out uh, when he came out. Uh, so he owns a bakery, lives in this quaint little cottage with Bishon, who's a musician that often, who often plays with the London Orchestra. Uh, they're very comfortable in their life. They've got their cottage, they've got their cat, they love watching Perot and all these other mysteries on TV. And then one day the mystery finds them because there's a body in the garden, as one might assume from the title itself. Uh, Bashan is arrested uh, for this murder, and it leaves Valor to kind of sort out what has happened. Obviously, he wants his man out of prison. Uh, and it, it's very difficult for Bishan because Bishan is actually on the uh, autism scale. And so being taken out of his life and his routine is quite difficult for him, as one might imagine also being put in jail. Uh, they have amazing friends. They, they met during boarding school, and the boarding school club really comes to help them out. Uh, all these friends come out of the woodwork. Not to mention Bashan's very supportive family, one who happens to be an attorney. So he comes in very, very handy. Uh, this, I mean, it's everything I, I assume that a cozy mystery should be because it was very cozy. You've read some cozy mystery. This was really my first one. And I found the two men, Valor and Bish, are just a delight. It would have been interesting. I would love it if she'd go back and do some prequels to show us how they came together in boarding school. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we could see their romance. Uh, they're very much uh, in the murder she wrote vein, especially Valor, as he tries to piece together what exactly has happened and who has come after them and specifically targeting Bashan. Um, I loved all of their friends who just descend upon them to make sure they're eating, to make sure that they have what they need. As clues come up, uh, they have friends who can help them to to decipher these uh, anagrams that are showing up in places to kind of act as clues. Uh, And luckily, the police inspector who's uh, leading this case eventually comes around that Bishan probably didn't really do this and that Valor may be able to help uh, piece together some of the clues. Uh, This this is a, a, a true trilogy. This book does not end with the end of the case. So I think once we get out of the holidays, I'll be visiting the other two books to see how all of this sorts itself out. But if Cozy's your thing and you want to see two delightful men together, pick up Dead in the Garden by... By Dahlia Donovan. Dahlia Donovan, who's... Yeah, I said it right that time. (laughs) Yay me. Shall we roll into some of the Christmassy things we've got going on? Christmas time is here. And the first book I want to talk about this week is Santa Daddy. And that is this year's holiday story from Kira Andrews. Um, Our story involves Hunter. He is a 20-something guy. Uh, He's a little bit adrift after university. uh, And he has to return home. And because he needs the money, he has gone back to his old holiday job as elf at Santa's Village uh, at the local mall. 
Um, it's an old rundown place that's actually uh, scheduled to be demolished in the new year. So um, that gives you sort <laughs> of a, <laughs> a sort of a, an idea of how sad and desperate our hero is. Um, he's feeling really um, he's feeling really stuck. Uh, not only does he not feel his career is moving forward, having to go back home and like do this job that he did in high school uh, makes him, you know, super self-conscious, and uh, it's like like nothing is working out for him. Uh, adds that to the fact that he is stuck with an extra super grumpy Santa, <laughs> our other hero, Hunter. The uh, regular Santa that the mall uses during the holidays broke his hip. So uh, Nick is brought in as a ringer. He is a 40-something guy. He owns the local Christmas tree farm. And after a tragedy, after he loses his partner, he's sort of withdrawn into himself, and he basically just hangs out on his farm with his beloved dog, Ella. She's absolutely adorable. <laughs> anyway, because of reasons, he's been talked into playing Santa for a couple of weekends at the mall. And when uh, Nick first sees Hunter, all he can see is sort of like a young, aimless millennial. But as they work together... Uh, he finds out there's a lot more underneath the surface. Uh, of course, Hunter is immediately dazzled by Nick because he's a super hot daddy. Uh, and, <laughs> and he soon discovers that is his kink. He is totally into it. Um, so once they get to know one another uh, working at the mall and realizing, well, maybe um, they're not so bad after all, um, uh, Nick asks hunter to uh, come to the farm and help him harvest some trees because he's a little behind schedule so uh hunter heads out to the farm uh the story takes place in canada so as he's you know, driving out there it's snowing and you know you can't let you know if you live in canada snow isn't going to stop you from doing no. anything you've got your snow tires you've got your chains <laughs> you're good to go so he sets out ready to spend a couple of days you know uh, bailing christmas trees on this farm unfortunately the storm turns out to be a little more severe than anyone really imagined and uh his car skids off the road into a ditch and he's sort of trapped uh-oh and so he has to get out and trudge his way to the farm in the like freezing sleet and snow. Uh, and once he arrives there, uh, Santa Daddy Nick um, takes care of him. And he realizes um, that's exactly what he needs in his life. Someone to uh, take care of and help and guide. And that's exactly what he does over the next couple of days. Um, since there, uh, since you know, since his car is in a ditch, he really you know can't go anywhere, uh, especially since it's snowing. Um, so they're sort of trapped at the house for a couple of days. Uh, they continue to get to know one another, and they simply cannot resist one another. And uh, Nick has his. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Hunter has his very first time with Nick. So you've got uh, a lot of like hurt comfort tropes going on you've got first time tropes some like daddy kink tropes uh this book has got it all plus it's all wrapped up in like you know cozy holiday feels so um after the time they spend together at the christmas tree farm uh nick and hunter are essentially an item um there's only like a brief bit of hesitation because of their age difference it's over 20 years 
Uh, incidentally, um, it, it's revealed in the story that uh, Nick is actually 46 years old, <laughs> which have, which I thought was utterly hilarious because I myself am 46 years old. <laughs> Woo, go daddies. Anyway, um, <laughs> um, so they're falling for one another. Uh, Hunter even manages to talk Nick into hosting um, essentially a, a holiday fun fair at, at the uh, farm. And after the fundraiser is a success, Nick has a moment of hesitation, um, not really knowing if he wants to uh, commit to having someone new in his life. Um, of course, uh, Hunter's having none of that, and uh, <laughs> he, he takes he he's found his Santa Daddy, and he's not letting go. Uh, so they uh, move forward and become a couple. And there's even a quick epilogue at the end showing how uh, how much they've changed, how much they've both been able to um, move from their uh, sort of adrift in life status, how they don't feel like they're they're moving forward. Um, and this uh, the epilogue proves that they do. So I highly recommend checking out Santa Daddy by Kira Andrews. That sounds awesome. And you've loved Kira's holiday books. All oh, along. they're they're always always a winner. Can't go wrong with a Kira holiday book. So I did a little hockey Christmas this week as well, picking up. A Star Crossed Christmas uh, by V.L. Losey. Uh, this is part of her uh, Cayuga Cougars universe and was previously published in the Hockey Holidays anthology that was er available earlier this season. Uh, this finds Cougar Mitch, uh, who has stepped into the spotlight for the team recently because their goalie was called up to the pros, so now he is the backup, uh, is front and center in the net every night. And as Christmas arrives... He's actually got four days off from the team, so he goes home to spend Christmas with his family, which also means he's going to run into his longtime friend, Olympic snowboarder Sean Sandbeck. Uh, he and Sean happen to have shared a brief kiss uh, that has had Mitch kind of questioning everything uh, since that happened. Uh, they've been friends essentially forever. Uh, there are pictures that they look at as the story goes on of them fishing at age eight. Uh, they have enjoyed many winter sports because they live in the, they both, both families have essentially ranches uh, in, in the northern area of the country. And though there's always snow and there's things to play on. And, you know, Sean's had a kind of a, a makeshift snowboard run in his yard for years. Uh, so these two are very tight. And this is, Really such a delightful uh, second chance romance uh, that, that builds between these two. Um, there's really no tension between the two as they re-meet. Um, other than the fact that neither of them is quite sure if the kiss maybe ruined their relationship. Uh, as two athletes who travel all the time, uh, they've never really been in close proximity to each other to kind of examine what had happened two years ago. Uh, but they very quickly discover that they both uh, were were wanting more of the same please <laughs> after that. And as they come together for Christmas, they get their chance. Uh, they go on a proper date. Uh, they have some proper sex <laughs> and very quickly find uh, that they do want to figure out how to spend their lives together. Uh, I have to call out that Sean has a delightful grandmother, who's essentially a grandmother to Mitch as well, since these two grew up next to each other. 
uh, and she gifts uh, Mitch a quite amazing thing, uh, which I won't spoil because it's so good. Um, I also love Mitch's Hanna-Barbera obsession. Uh, the gift that he gets from Mitch this holiday season is the box set of Jabberjaw, <laughs> which uh, he wears a Johnny Quest t-shirt. He is watching um, video, Hanna-Barbera videos on his phone while he's traveling for games. I mean, a man after my own heart, for sure, uh, as, a, as a Hanna-Barbera kid myself. Um, the only thing I wish that, that this was was that it was a full-blown novel uh, instead of a short story, because I would love to see how these two maybe had their kiss, and I would love to see where it goes, because it's certainly... Uh, I know they'll work it out, but the concept that right after they figured out that, yes, they want to go forward, they figure out that between January and May, they only have about 24 days that their schedules align. But they are planning a Switzerland uh, summer trip while Sean competes over there that Mitch will go with him. So I totally ate up these two. And I know VL does such a good job in this series of circling back to the uh, other characters. There's a great cameo in here um, from Vic and um, Vic and Dan, which was totally delightful to see. So I look forward to seeing these two kind of show up periodically in future Cougars novels. Uh, so I highly, highly, highly recommend taking a little moment for this nice little Christmas warm fuzzy piece called A Star Cross Christmas by V.L. Losey. Now, from your sports heroes to the sports heroes of my next read, uh, this past week I partook of Fairy Tale of LaGuardia by A.E. Wasp and Beth Bolden. Um, I happened to mention that I really loved this book on social media uh, and had a, a quick exchange with A.E. Uh, she was, first of all, glad that I enjoyed the book <laughs> and was happy to learn that she uh, pulled off the seasonal feel uh, considering where the book is set, uh, LaGuardia Airport in New York. Oh, Lord. Now, I... <laughs> <laughs> Now, if any of you have been to LaGuardia, we certainly have. Um, LaGuardia is not a magical place. <laughs> so the fact that this book is full of all sorts of wonderful holiday feels means that uh, these two authors have genuinely pulled off a Christmas miracle. Indeed. Anyway, so, okay, the two sports heroes of Furry Tale of LaGuardia are Owen. He uh, is a baseball player, and he is at a turning point in his career. Uh, despite the fact that his team recently won the World Series, he has been let go. Uh, and he's a little bit in limbo and sort of questioning uh, where he is uh, in his life and career. And he is at the airport uh, traveling for the holidays. Uh, and uh, the airport gets essentially snowed in and all flights are canceled. So he heads to the bar, as one does, uh, and he sits down next to Red. He is a young hockey player that has been called up to the big leagues. He's essentially traveling to Seattle uh, for his uh, big chance to play in the NHL. Now, as it just so happens, uh, Owen is Red's like teenage fantasy. This is like oh. a dream come true for him. Uh, and so they share a couple of drinks, they end up sharing a meal together, and this story is essentially the tale of their first date. Um, as I mentioned a couple of ex uh, episodes back, I have a certain nice guy kink, um, mm -hmm. and that's kind of what this story 
hinges on. It's just two very nice guys meeting and talking and kind of doing uh, what is essentially pretty mundane first date things, but you kind of empathize and like these two characters so much um, that you can't help but root for them and uh, want to see that their uh, romance uh, genuinely takes off. After they share a meal together at the hotel bar, uh, they end up walking down to the end of the terminal where there is a um, sort of, uh, what's the word I want to use? Like a pathway and out, uh, outdoor esplanade area. Okay. Uh, which is, of course, deserted because it's like snowing. Uh, so they have some uh, cute flirty times there. Mm. Uh, and then they, when they go back inside, there is uh, a construction area, uh, sort of like dark and out of the way, uh, that they duck into. It ends up being a spa that's either being renovated or torn down. And there happens to be a handy couch there. Uh, so they have some sexy times on the couch. Uh, and since it was a spa, there's some handy dandy massage oil. They make use of that as well. Um, <laughs> so uh, first date and a hookup. This is like the best Christmas ever for both of them. Uh, and so once they get uh, cleaned up from their rendezvous, uh, an announcement comes over the PA system. Uh, the storm is cleared uh, and flights are going to begin boarding. Red essentially leaves because his flight is about to take off when Owen gets a call from his sports agent. Uh, another new team is interested in signing in with him, and he thought that's what he wanted, but in this one moment, he really has to make a super fast decision. Does he want to continue a career that he sort of feels like, you know, ambivalent about, or does he want to follow this sexy young hockey player, someone that even though they've only known each other a couple of hours, um, this is a guy he really feels like he might have a chance with or a future with. Of course, this is a holiday uh, gay romance, so he makes the correct choice and chooses to run after Red, um, which is a lot harder than he imagined. They make it look so easy in the movies. Um, <laughs> so he runs through several terminals. He eventually finds Red and declares that, you know, he thinks this is something genuinely special and he wants to give it a chance. And Red's like, hell yeah, me too. <laughs> Uh, so they have a happy holiday ever after, and in as in the previous story I just mentioned, there's also a, a short epilogue showing uh, how um, successful Red has become, and Owen is his loving, uh, supportive partner. That's I think awesome. I think it's not like a. a a necessary thing to have an epilogue in a holiday story but usually when you're talking about Christmas books um, the the romance happens in a very uh, concentrated short period of time during the holidays so uh, a lot of time authors will um, do a you know quick flash forward at the end of the book to show uh, that the happily ever after is truly genuine. And it is definitely genuine for these two characters in Fairy Tale of Guardian. I highly recommend you check it out. Cool. 
If you liked any of the books we talked about, you can certainly come to the show notes page where you will find them linked there for your quick and easy uh, purchases. Uh, we do use affiliate links uh, anywhere we can in the show notes page to put a few pennies into the coffers of the podcast. Another way you can support the show is by coming to our Patreon page. Uh, with a monthly pledge through Patreon for as little as 25 cents an episode, that's really hardly a coffee a month, uh, your pledge can help pay for the cost of producing and distributing this podcast. For fans who pledge at a silver and gold level, you'll have the exclusive opportunity to ask questions of our upcoming guests. And just last week, I posted uh, most of the guests for the first quarter of the new year. So there are some folks out there you can ask questions too. Plus, we give you the chance to have a personalized thank you sent uh, along with your pledge. Now, for any month that we have pledges that cover our monthly production cost, which we've been extremely lucky, and that has been the case since we started Patreon back in January, uh, I believe that was 2017, uh, we, we do produce a bonus show, especially for our patrons. And we'll actually be recording our special Christmas bonus episode next week. So there's a there's a, a post on Patreon that's up there to ask if you have any questions for us that you'd like us to answer in that episode. So be sure to check that out if you are one of our Patreon Patreons patrons. Oi, <laughs> Patreon patrons. It's it's all one big like confusing thing to say. Anyway, you can get all the details about all of this on our Patreon page. Just go to www.patreon.com/biggayfictionpodcast. Want to hang out with us between shows? Check us out on Facebook. You never know what we might post. News about book sales, bonus video content, and maybe even a live broadcast or two. Like us today at facebook.com slash biggayfictionpodcast and see what we get up to next. So I was super excited earlier this year when I got a, a Facebook message from Trish Gilliam, who writes under the name J.P. Barnerby saying, hey, I've got a new book coming out and I'd love to be on the show again, which we I was so awesome to hear. I love JP slash Trish. Uh, she was last year at episode 76 when we actually talked about her retirement from writing. She's back now with a new book coming out on Tuesday, December 18th called Saving Hannah, which is mystery suspense. And I really can't wait to see what uh, J.P. Barnaby mystery suspense looks like. So I'm excited by that. And I'm we're excited to share this interview right now. JP, welcome back to the podcast. It's great to have you here. It is great to be here. March March 20th, 2017. Oh my God, you actually know that off the top of your head? <laughs> well, no, I looked that up, so oh, okay, I would okay. know the date. <laughs> I'm not that good. You were here because you were essentially putting out your last book before you were retiring. Mm -hmm. And now you're back with a book getting ready to come out called Saving Hannah. Mm-hmm. What's brought you back? And, and do tell us about the new book. I decided I wanted to be Cher. You know, I, she has all these farewell tours. So, yes. Yeah. But seriously, um, I am working on my degree in creative writing, which I will graduate with in April. So I figured, you know, I just paid however many thousands of dollars for that. Yeah, I should probably go ahead and use it. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, saving Hannah. In... 2017, RT was at in Atlanta, mm -hmm. right? I live in Atlanta. So Elizabeth said, Elizabeth North from Dreams Printer Press said, hey, come down and have brunch with us. Okay, that is always a trap, always. <laughs> so I brought Paul, my new husband, and we went and had brunch with her, and she said, hey, 
You remember that Greek book that you were writing for me? Yes. How far along are you? I said, I don't know, 25,000, 30,000 words. She goes, send it to me. Let's see if we can make it into a novella. Well, no, you can't. So I, <laughs> I, you know, I read back through it and I'm like, okay, she, there's no way that we can make this into a novella. So I finished it and that's Saving Hannah. But the funny part about it is they have this dreams, fun, desires line. Mm-hmm. And she said, um, so Elizabeth calls me up when they started out this line. And, they, and she said, I want you to write a book for me uh, for this dreams, fun, desires line. Because, you know, my style just screams dreams, fun, desires, right? Oh, yes, I would. Let's write some happy. So um, she said, I want you to write a chic. I'm like, I am not writing a gay Muslim. It is not happening. Pick something else. <laughs> All right, a Greek tycoon. Okay, so, you know, three years later, it took me three years to write this book. Um, we send it in to Dream Spinner. Here's, here's the book that you asked for that you asked me to write. And they took one look at that and said, you can't give this little girl leukemia. You can't do that in a Dream Spun Desires line. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. So they decided to put it out as a Dream Spinner book. <laughs> and it comes out in December. I was going to ask how the Greek fed into that because Elizabeth saying that Greek book you were doing, I can't, and, and then saving Hannah, I, I, I couldn't connect the dots. So, so the premise is <laughs> we have a guy, Thomas, who is a hacker and well, you know, he, he hacked for his company to show them that their data mining was bad. Okay. So he goes to prison while he's in prison. Um, his girlfriend comes and says, I'm pregnant, you know? And so while he's in prison, his daughter is born and the girlfriend um, dies in childbirth. So his mother is raising Hannah, and almost when his prison term is over, they find out that she has leukemia. So he has to watch from prison as, you know, his daughter is very sick and she's going through chemotherapy, and this is why this is not a dream spot. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not. (laughs) But um, he had gone to Georgia Tech with a... A, a, a guy that had come in from Greece, an immigrant from Greece, and they were roommates. And you know, the sparks were flying, and uh, he freaked out because you know he's not gay. So he runs off, and ten years later, the the Greek tycoon guy, his name is Alex. He sees an article about Hannah in the newspaper, and he wants to help because he's you know still remembering that kiss and everything so he um calls thomas and or he has his assistant call thomas and have him come in for a job interview and of course thomas can't find a job especially in programming because he's been in the, in prison so you know brings him in and um offer, uh, proposes marriage instead so you know marriage of convenience greek tycoon i thought i had all the elements together and it just did not there is a lot of dream spun desire in right? there. But no. Leukemia is a bit much for a no dream spun. Leukemia for little kids in dream spun desires. So. Now, this is vastly different from what you were writing before with it's, the Survivor series, which was extremely emotional, extremely personal material to you. Mm-hmm. Um, what brought this the shift? So um, anybody that knows me or has been following me knows that I had a very serious problem with depression. And I was very transparent about that on the blog. And, you know, people responded to that. 
because there are a lot of people that have problems with depression and you know they they understand so about a little over three years ago um, I found a doctor who figured out which medication was gonna work for me and in what dosage and that I mean this is what worked for me you know not all medications work for all people but what worked for me was this medication and it was a game changer I did not know that there were people who could be happy every day that was just complete in fact they had to put me on Xanax because I'm like what do I do how do you be happy every how weird is this right so um, they got my medication all straightened out and about a week later is when I got my email from match.com from Paul so it was like okay we're gonna we're gonna straighten you out I, I believe in God and you know I'm gonna straighten you out and then I'm gonna send you a present because karma has not been kind to you so we're just gonna we're gonna give you a little good karma and it was the best karma and I think we mentioned the last time we talked that you know I have loved seeing this transformation in you and because you are happy so often now like, you, you you come in and you're, you're smiling and you're Right, it's, I'm like, it's like a tremendous. completely different person. It's like doppelganger. It's weird. <laughs> I wouldn't have gone for a doppelganger, but I've been I've been kidnapped by aliens. I'm a pod person. Uh, Zia Laura put it put it really well. Uh, she gave me a hug and she said, "This is the first time I've ever seen you when your that your smile reaches your eyes." And she actually thanked Paul, who was doing his due diligence and meeting people. Which is tremendous that you brought him to you know the, the crazy that is a dream spinner author workshop. Oh no 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 no! I did not bring him. He brought me. He. <laughs> I got an email from Dream Spinner that says in September we are going to have the Dream Spinner author conference at Disney, and he said, "You got to go to that, right? I, I mean, you're you're going to start writing again, so you really need to go to that, right? Apparently." So he's at Disney as we speak. He will use any excuse to go to Disney, which is why we're moving to Orlando. And you were married at Disney. No, no, no. We, no. Uh, he proposed the week we went to Disney. We were that's married in his parents' backyard in baseball jerseys. I remember. That's right. I remember the baseball jerseys from Facebook. Yes. I, was, I had a Cubs jersey. He had a Braves jersey. And on the back, they both said Gillum, which is my new last name. Mine said 10, his said 21, because we got married on October 21st. I love that. That's so cool. How's it been picking up the proverbial pen again to do, Hannah? Um, that actually hasn't been an issue. You know, that's one of the reasons I came back to writing, because even though you walk away from it, the voices don't stop talking to you. And, you know, I found myself scribbling in a notebook and I have a notebook and I'm oh, I got this idea. Oh, I got this idea. Oh, I got the, oh, wait, I'm not writing anymore, but I got this idea, you know? And, uh, <laughs> I am currently writing a book with Rowan Speedwell and it's been an absolutely wonderful experience because she is so much better than I am. Um, so I'm learning a lot from writing with her because she is very literary and I am very not. So it's been a really great experience. I mean, I've got through one of our paragraphs that I was reading and there was a word there and I'm like, I think she misspelled this word. So I go Google and, and word didn't even know what it was. So I went and Googled it. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is the exactly perfect word. I mean, like 
conceptually and, you know, texturally, this is the perfect word that you would use here. And I didn't even, I've never even heard of it. Well, what is it? Haint. Haint? Mm-hmm. What does it mean? It is, um, it's a, so the story that we're writing is kind of a ghost story, but kind of not. And it centers around not just a haunting, but a, it's a Southern haunting and this, it's set in Georgia. So it's a, a word about Southern haunting. I'm like, where did you find this word? I, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's awesome and terrible writing with somebody who is so much better than you because you're like, oh my God, this is awesome. This book is going to be, wow, I really suck at this. <laughs> and for Scrabble players out there, please use this word. Right? I don't... Talk to Rowan Speedwell because she knows everything. Well, maybe don't play against Rowan Speedwell either. No, I would never. I would. It wouldn't take 15 minutes for her to beat me. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the ghost uh, actually died in 1966. And since I was born in 1973, um, I needed somebody who could write history. And Rowan has written historical novels because she has a degree in history. So I said, you know, I'm writing the story with this ghost. She goes, that sounds really interesting. She said, I can help you with the history. I said, I have a better idea. Why don't you come over here and start writing with me? <laughs> and it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Is this your first co-write, I believe? It is. Yeah. But I like how you, it was very organic how you kind of got there from help me with history to just come on over. Well, Rowan and I are really good friends, and um, finding Zach was the reason that I wrote Aaron. Because, you know, you, you think about what finding Zach and Aaron are about, and you don't really equate that with a romance novel, you know? Mm-hmm. You're looking at this going, this is 200 pages of awful, and <laughs> <laughs> happy ever after, right? So um, reading Finding Zach opened that up for me, which is why Zach is in an Aaron book. He is in Spencer giving a talk. She let me borrow him so that he could give a talk at a conference. That's very cool. I didn't know there was that connection in there i have zach in there i have a character wearing a sinner's gin t-shirt in another book good old reese reese ford mm -hmm. i have uh mackie sanders in a book um anthony is listening to the radio and an outbreak monkey um song comes on the radio and that is beneath the stain by amy lane i like writing i like nods subtle I like subtle nods to other authors because I'm a fangirl too. Mm-hmm. I love Sittershin. I loved Beneath the Stain. As a matter of fact, that book came out as a serial and I bought the first one when it came out and none of the other ones were out yet and I read this and I'm like, <laughs> I'm texting you and you're going, you have to send me the rest of this right now because I'm going to kill somebody if I don't get to read the rest of this. And she did because, you know. She's a nice person. She's good that way, yeah. But I also pimped the hell out of that book because I had read it and it wasn't out yet, you know. Yeah, because you get those you get those amazing books and it's like, mm, and it was just it. right up my alley because he was just broken. I like that's a horrible thing to say, but I, I like broken characters and watching them rebuild themselves. So that's the core going forward is recovery romance. So the books going forward, they're still gonna have that element of somebody needing to recover from something uh, some kind of trauma but we're going to make that lighter we're going to make it more romantic suspense rather than just 200 pages of I can't breathe like Aaron was. I've learned so much writing the Survivor series about how to write Mm -hmm. 
And now you're learning more. You mentioned the you're going for your MFA now. And you also went to the Writer's Digest conference uh, this summer. Besides writing the Survivor Series, how has now all this formal education, we'll call it, also helped move you forward and kind of got you into getting ready to write this romantic suspense? So it's actually a bachelor's degree. I did not have a degree at all. And now that I have a husband and three children, I thought that might be a good idea in case I lost my job. And I just jumped you completely to a graduate degree. <laughs> I appreciate degree just like... that. <laughs> <sighs> the bachelor's degree, I've come across a lot of interesting things that um, that I didn't know. There was There was one class on business how to pitch, you know, things like that. And I'm writing, um, like, scripts. I have a script writing class. I have a nonfiction class, which is going to help me write blogs. You know, I had a popular and contemporary fiction class, which is what makes Hunger Games so popular? What makes Gone Girl so popular? What are the elements that they are doing that makes that so popular? And how can you leverage those in your own books? Mm-hmm. Why is the road so popular? Oh my God. I pay people not to be depressed and I had to read the road. Oh, geez. <laughs> These are two people meandering for an entire book. Here's the book. Um, the Writer's Digest conference was really fascinating because the only conferences I had been to were um, either romance or gay related, like GRL and RT and RWA, and to get a completely fresh perspective on things. I took a class with Stephen James on uh, suspense. He is a suspense writer. And there are so many elements that you can use from that in a romance novel, because it's all the same thing. It's all keeping the pages turning. It's all like, oh my God, what happens next? Oh my God, don't kill the dog, you know? That was yeah. Rowan's only rule. I can't kill the dog. Well, I, I, well, Terry Michaels said that the other day, too. It's like, you can't kill the dog. You can't kill the baby. You, know? you gave somebody leukemia, but, you know. She goes into remission. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> How did you pick romantic suspense as where to go? Was it just kind of a, a natural place after the Survivor series to keep the suspense up and the tension and the angst a little bit? Or? So I will, I will admit something really horrible. I don't read a lot of romance. I read Lee Child. I read Stephen King. I read Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child are some of my favorites. These are the books that I read that I love, but I don't want to go write a book like Lee Child. I don't want to go write a book like Douglas Preston because I want to stay with Dream Spinner, which means it has to be an LGBT book and it has to be um, a romance. So what's, what's the best thing to do there is to meld those together and make it a romantic suspense. Plus, my older books, um, they have this element of just grabbing hold of you and holding on in an emotionally traumatic way. I mean, my Facebook group was um, the J.P. Barnaby... Um, support group Hmm. it's actually said the jb barnaby support group because after you read my books you need therapy and i wanted to take that same emotional intensity and put it into something else and the the best segue to that was romantic suspense but yet what you're co-writing with rowan is not it is not. So we are going to balance contemporary with romantic suspense. All of the okay. books won't be romantic suspense. Some of them will be contemporary. And yes, I promise I will write some BDSM books. 
because there is a, a BDSM call going up from Dream Spinner yes. because of that Dream Spank thing, right? Do you remember that? Yeah, that the was April a great Fool's joke. Day, that backfired a little bit, and all of these people are like, wait, what do you mean Reese Ford isn't going to write BDSM? But they, she included Casey Welch. She included me. So it was very plausible that this was going to be a yeah. thing, right? We totally bought into it. I felt <laughs> so bad that there wasn't actually a book behind that cover. So I wrote a short story. Here, here, please don't kill me. But yeah, they're going to do a call for BDSM, more BDSM books. And I promised Elizabeth that I would uh, give her a novella series. How many books do you think we're going to see from JP a year? So Amelia Vaughn is our new um, marketing director, and she and Elizabeth have told me that I will be giving them four books a year. Okay. You've been told, and now you must execute. I have, and I'm a good <laughs> subby girl, so I do what I'm told. Do you get to turn in any of your work for Dream Spinner? And these, do they get to find their way into your classes? <laughs> um, so. I have not done that only because I think it's cheating, but, um, it's really funny because I have found that because the first thing you have to do is, hi, my name is Trish and I am not an alcoholic kind of thing. And, um, the, so I find that in that first post, if I mention that I have 12, 13 published novels, that the, it goes a little smoother, <laughs> but, um, I have written a gay oriented story. I had to write a literary story for uh, creative writing, and I, at the same time, I was taking a Shakespeare class, which, dear God, <laughs> so I took um, one of Shakespeare's plays, and the name of it will come to me in a minute, and, oh, Much Ado About Nothing, and um, I took that, and the concept of that, and wrote about a guy who had been thrown out as a kid. Don John comes back and screws up his brother's son's wedding just to get back at them for throwing him out. So it was like a take on Much Ado About Nothing, but with a gay twist to it. Did you get an A? I hope you got I an did, A. Yes. Very good. I actually have a 3.98 GPA going into my last like five classes. Congratulations. My, mom, my husband's like, you are such an overachiever because it's a big deal to me. So I am going to graduate summa cum laude. That's awesome. Which means I probably don't suck, at least at that. Well, you know, 12 books, successful books, headed off now into this new branch of JP's career. I think you got something going on there. <laughs> I'm doing okay. <laughs> We've got... I don't know why I can't remember. I want it Surviving Hannah, Survivor Series. It all, it all mixes up in my head. Saving Hannah. Plus, you've got the ghost story with Rowan. So what's coming up next in the sequence of, of events for your books? So uh, during my meeting with Elizabeth this weekend, I committed to four books. And uh, the first one is a book that I am writing with Rowan Speedwell, who is amazing way better than I am. <laughs> um, so uh, we are writing a book about a guy that inherits a bookstore when his father dies. And 
um, when he goes into the bookstore to kind of take a look around because he hasn't been there since he was, you know, younger and his dad would read to him and he's having this whole, you know, reminiscing emotional experience and finds the bones of the owner, the, the original owner of this bookstore and um, out pops his ghost. And so it's, um, you know, there's got a lot of camaraderie there. The ghost is a 62-year-old black gentleman named Henry. So he's got some fascinating history because he died in 1966. So he's got this just fascinating history. And Rowan is, she has a degree in history. She writes historical novels. So when I came to her and I said, I want to write this book, but... Uh, I'd rather do anything than history. <laughs> this is my worst subject in school. I hated history. Can you help me? You know, can you help me figure out this character? She goes, yeah, she's so excited. And she starts talking about how he's going to do this and how he's going to do that. And I'm like, wait, I have a better idea. Here, here is the document. Just start writing stuff in there and we'll cover write this book. And that's what we've been doing. It's been so much fun because she and I are such good friends. So there's that. There is... Have, is there a date yet for that? or It's not even done yet. Not even done yet. 2019, maybe. 2020, somewhere in there. It is due in November. Okay. Um, but we just have... The only book that is done is Saving Hannah. And that is um, already through the arcs, already through editing. We are just waiting for the publication date, which is December 18th. But it, we're going to bounce back and forth between contemporary and romantic suspense because... Um, you know, I, I do write both. So the ghost story is romantic, is um, contemporary. It just happens to have a ghost, just like it's, you know, contemporary and just happens to have a dog. It's not paranormal in any way because he's not going to fall in love with the ghost because I don't know how to make that work. <laughs> um, the next one is a romantic suspense. It's about a stalker. And it's such a cool idea. We've already talked about this, so I'm not going to reveal what it I is. I know what it is. It's, <laughs> it's awesome. It's so awesome. <laughs> Um, There is a celebrity chef, and we have this poor kid who, um, he's an immigrant, and I actually have a friend who's from Venezuela who lives in New York, so this is kind of based on him a little bit, who is running out of money, and when he hits bottom, he's going to have to go back home, so he is desperate to figure out how to stay in the United States, and you know, this is pretty relevant right now, and um, so he enters a contest for a culinary school education because as anybody who knows me knows I am addicted to the Food Network mm-hmm. I <laughs> so, love those posts I love them, love them, love them So Trish you know, is watching Chopped right now Trish is watching Chopped, Trish is watching Beat Bobby Flay <laughs> so based on these shows that I have been watching, you know um, he is uh, competing for culinary school education and it goes on from there um, and the last one is a spinoff of Saving Hannah. And I can't talk about what the spinoff is because it will reveal the end of Hannah. But um, that's the you know contemporary suspense, contemporary suspense with a couple of BDSM novellas thrown in to answer that call. Fantastic. It's so good to have you back kind of in the fold on the scene. <laughs> Thank you. Again. Um, what's the best way for folks to keep up with you online? That would be at the website, which is www.jpbarnaby.com. You can come hang out with me on Twitter. It's at jpbarnaby. Or you can um, like the page, which is facebook.com slash recoveryromance. Um, join the, the newsletter. 
and that is off of the website. So there's a sign up on the website. JPBarnaby.com. JPBarnaby.com. Or you can confirm me on Facebook. It's about to be Trish Gillum again because Facebook is changing all their rules. And you have to have a page and you can only put your business stuff on your page or they're going to beat you with something. And so you can come friend Trish Gillum. Yeah, come find her as Trish and find out what she's watching on Food Network because it's... And what she's making. And what she's cooking. I actually make fresh pasta with yeah, my... Yeah, you do. Yeah? It's crazy. I make chicken and dumplings, you know. actually roll them out. I've occasionally wanted to come to your house for dinner. So. Come on by. And when you move to Florida and we're, and we're in Orlando, you know, we just, we'll just drop over sometime. <laughs> Absolutely. In fact, I'm here. I was here starting Tuesday because we are apartment hunting and we're staying with my friend Justin who lives in Celebration. And um, I said, you know, while I'm down there, just say thank you. Would you like for me to cook for you? Yes. Yes, I would. <laughs> what would you like for me to make for you? I don't care. Anything. Because I, I haven't not liked anything that you've made yet. Okay. So yeah. I made him chicken parm. There could be another career in here for you if you ever want it later. Just you know. And the funniest thing the about this thing. is, I learned how to cook because I started dating Paul. I had never cooked before then. I was on pizza rolls and diet Pepsi, you know, and I did not know how to cook. And I figured, you know, southern southern guy, you know, mom was cooked for him his whole life. I need to learn how to cook, so I did. Very cool. Love it. Well, JP, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. As always, it's a total pleasure to have JP on the show, and we're both looking forward to the new book coming out on the 18th. Yes, I we talked a lot about her moving towards romantic suspense, and since I've been so into romantic suspense uh, this year, I'm very much looking forward to seeing what she does in that genre. Okay, guys, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode. Coming up next week in number 167... Uh, can you believe it? 167 episodes. I know. You know, we were doing the numbering for next year, and in August, we will hit 200. It's crazy. It's practically right around the corner. (laughs) It really is. Anyway, next week, Terry Michaels is going to join us to talk about the final book in the Faith, Love, and Devotion series, plus Jay from Joyfully Jay has some holiday reading recommendations. Yes, it's going to be a great episode next week, talking to Terry uh, was awesome and hearing all about the things that she does and of course always a pleasure to have Jay here giving some recommendations okay guys remember no matter where life takes you the journey will always be sweeter when you have a book until next time everyone please keep turning those pages and keep reading for detailed show notes and links to everything discussed in this episode go to biggayfictionpodcast.com new episodes are available every Monday at all major podcast distributors. You can also find us on YouTube. I'm Derek McLean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.